0: Mark 8, verse 22. I'll read this, and then we'll we'll pray. Verse 22, and they came to Bethsaida. Again, we've covered this before. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to Jesus a blind man and begged him to touch the blind man. And Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit in his eyes, he laid his hands on, on him and asked, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, okay, I, I, yeah, I, I see men, but they look like trees walking. Jesus like like, that, that's not right. Let's do this again. And then he laid his hands on him, his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly, and he sent him home saying, do not even enter the village. Chapter 10, verse 46, and they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho, as Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he had heard what that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, "Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me!" And many rebuked him, telling him to be quiet. Just be quiet, blind guy. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And then the blind man, then then they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, man, get up, he's calling you now. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus and Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed Jesus on the way. That's our text this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I I pray this morning that um, first that you would really author my words. There's a part of this 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 episode, this story here that I want us to get intellectually, but more than that, I want us to I want us to get it this morning emotionally. Thank you that you are the God of our minds and the God of our hearts. And I know that there is, all over this room right now, people with faith that's just lying there, and they've been, they've been hearing about you, Jesus, and they've been hearing your stories of things that you've done, and I pray that today you would, you would make a situation like you did with Bartimaeus where you call us. And then by that, that faith that's deep inside would come out. I pray that we put our faith in Jesus today. I know that's a really difficult thing for some people. Such a big leap of faith, and I know that, Lord, so I pray that you would, you would help us, that you would bring us there. And I ask God, anyone who can say this, we, we, all, we all say together that we're blind and we need to see. And we don't claim to see. We don't claim to look at this and go, I know what's going on. I know what God's up to. But we, we're, just, we're blind, and we need to see. And we look to you this morning. We love you, and we pray that you would, you would teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Like I, I've said before, we're, we... Um, We've been in the book of Mark for some time now, and what we've been saying every single week is that Mark is the story of Jesus. Mark is the story of the authentic, real Jesus, and it's been so fascinating to dive into the book of Mark and see the raw, unadulterated, unmessed-with Jesus. Now, one of the motifs, and which is like one of my favorite words, by the way, one of the motifs that Mark uses in writing the story of Jesus is the motif of seeing. He writes throughout his book, throughout his story, how... People don't see. And he doesn't mean with sight. He means with perception. People don't get it. And he says this over and over again. Do you get who Jesus really is? Okay, yes, yes. I know that you hear Jesus, and you see him with your eyes, and you know about him, and you're even following him, but do you get him? Do you perceive? Do you understand? That's this underlying question in the book of Mark. Are you really seeing Jesus? There's even this story um, in the middle of, of Mark's, Mark's book where Jesus gets into, this, into a boat with his disciples. And this is, this is a, a, a common thing. He gets in his boat with his disciples across the, the Sea of Galilee. And as they're in the boat, someone, one of the disciples, forgets to bring the leftover bread. And so they start arguing. Okay, who forgot the bread? It was not my, I was not on sandwich duty. Yes, you were. We told you to grab the bread. And then Jesus starts to teach in the boat, and he does this often. He teaches. Wherever he goes, he's teaching. So he begins to teach, and he says this. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, leaven can kind of mean leftover bread, because that's how you make leaven. It's like leftover dough. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they're like, they're, they, they, th- they thought they were busted. They're like, oh my gosh, you see? Now Jesus is teaching, beware, we forgot the bread. Who forgot the bread? And, and they don't get it. And so he says this to them. He says, do you not yet perceive do you not yet understand and then he says this having eyes do you still not see why don't you get it basically the book of mark up to this point has been this you see me but you don't see me that's what jesus is saying you see me i'm here you see me with your eyes but you don't really see who i am you don't really see who's in the boat your world is still wrapped around you You see that I'm in the boat with you, but you don't really understand. You don't see what it means that I'm in your boat. You see that I'm in your life, but you don't really understand or see what it means that I'm in your life. There's a huge difference between seeing with your eyes and then understanding and perceiving. And the beauty of Mark's gospel is that he's not afraid to point out how dense everyone is. He's not afraid to go, dense, dense, blind, blind, blind. So Mark puts this interpretive account into the middle of the book in chapter 8 of Mark, we just read that, where Jesus heals this blind man, but the way that he heals this blind man, as we just read, he heals this blind man in stages, because at first he's blind, and his friends bring him up to Jesus, we're like, and we're not told he's a beggar, he's just blind, so his friends bring him up, he has some really cool friends, Jesus, we heard you, that that you're, you're this wonderful miracle worker, please, we beg you, heal our friend of blindness, so Jesus takes him outside of the town, and then he spits in his eyes, I wonder what he was thinking then. Like, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to bother you, Jesus. You don't have to spit in my eyes. But he spits right in his eyes. And then he lays his hands on his eyes and he wipes off the spit. And he goes, open your eyes. And he opens his eyes and the guy goes, Jesus like, do you see anything? Like, did it work? And Jesus never asks that question. It always works. But he asks him, did it work? He opens his eyes, he goes, yeah, I, I see. But they, but they look like, everyone looks like trees. Like broccoli. Like everyone looks weird and fuzzy. Jesus is like, well, almost as if like, okay, that's not, that's not right. Okay, let's do this again. And he does it again. And then it says he sees clearly. Now, what's, why did this happen? You're like, okay, was Jesus like losing it in the middle of the gospel here? He's like, his power's kind of wearing out. He's running on like, his battery's like showing red now and he's like just about out. Is this what's happening to Jesus here? This healing was an interpretive clue to what was going on so far in the story of Jesus. Because after this man was healed, you can't say he was blind anymore because he can see. But you can't say he can see either because he can't make out what he does see. He's at the same time blind but not blind. And what Mark is saying is that that is how everyone up to this point sees Jesus. They see him, but they don't see him. They see, but they don't get it. Because nobody gets it. It's like everyone in Mark's gospel up to this point is spiritually blind. The enemies of Jesus are blind. The friends of Jesus are blind. The followers of Jesus are blind. The family of Jesus is blind. Everyone's blind up to this point. And what the gospel narrative proves is that it's not your proximity to Jesus that heals your blindness. You you can be right in front of Jesus and still not see him. You can go to church your whole life, call yourself a disciple. And still be blind. That's what this text says. Everyone's spiritually blind except Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is the only one who's not blind. Yes, he's physically blind and poor. But he saw with different eyes. And what I want to consider from our text today is the blind man's insight, the blind man's hope, and the seeing man's response. The blind man's insight, the blind man's hope, and the seen man's response. First point, the blind man's insight. Jesus is making his way up to Jerusalem right in chapter 10, right where we're at right now. He's going up there for Passover. Passover. The momentum that Jesus has been gathering up to this point, as we talked about last week, has been extreme and amazing. People followed Jesus, the people that followed him, this entourage that followed Jesus up to Jerusalem were both amazed and afraid. They were amazed at his great power. They were amazed at Jesus' great power to do anything, but they were also afraid because he would not stop talking about how he was going to Jerusalem to die. So they're making their way to Jerusalem right now. And the only thing he could be ta- he's, he's talking about is, I'm going there to die, I'm going there to die. So they followed him with this amazement mixed with fear. There's this undertone of the possible clash of powers, the authority and the powers of Jerusalem versus the authority and the powers of Jesus. And as they passed through Jericho, which is 12 miles east of Jerusalem, at the end of town sat this blind man named Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, we don't know how he heard about Jesus. We don't know how he knew who Jesus was, but this is what we do know. He's sitting there at the end of, edge of town. He has a cloak, okay? The cloak he would use in the day, he would use to, to, like a modern day, um, like a lot of the homeless people around here use, star, use Starbucks cup to gather change. That's what their cloak was. They would set it out and they would gather change with it. And at the end of the day, they would grab the change that they got and they would, they would put it up in their cloak and the cloak would also be something to keep them warm at night. So Bartimaeus had this cloak, he laid it out, and he would beg at the end of, uh, at the, end of the town of, of Jericho. And we don't know how, but we know that he knows who Jesus is. We don't know how he's come to know Jesus and believe in him for a healing. It certainly wasn't by seeing Jesus perform miracles, because Bartimaeus was completely blind, and he was reduced to poverty and begging probably due to this condition, But as he sat there at the edge of town by the roadside, which is a very important clue, it says he was by the roadside, he was begging, and he would also pick up stories. People didn't email and watch TV like we do today. They would share stories. And as they would pass through Jericho, they would be sharing stories. And as a blind beggar who has no sight at all, who cannot bring in sight, would Meditate on sound and love story. And so as people would pass through Jericho, he would grab people and go tell me stories. He would pick up stories of this teacher, this rabbi named Jesus. And people would tell him stories about how Jesus has this power of healing and exorcism and the power to to restore and his amazing gift of teaching, how Jesus healed a paralytic. So as Bartimaeus was there, someone would come by with a story about how Jesus healed this paralytic and how he taught with one having authority. And a passerby would tell how Jesus raised a little girl from the dead and how he touched a leper. And when the leper was healed, his skin was as soft as a baby's. And Bartimaeus would gather these stories as people would go through and he would just turn them over in his head. And then one day, and I imagine it was probably late in the afternoon, one passerby came by with a new story. Jesus healed a man who was born blind. And no one in Israel has done that before. I could almost see as Bartimaeus' heart like skipped a beat and leapt in his chest. Wait, say that again? What what did he do? He healed a man that was born blind. And as Bartimaeus heard that, his heart just pounding, he probably thought, there's hope. There's actually hope. And from then on, anyone who had a story about Jesus, Bartimaeus would like pull them aside and say, tell me again the story about how Jesus healed a blind man. Tell me again that story. Sir, did you, do you know about Jesus of Nazareth? Can you tell me the story again about how he healed a blind man? Tell me the story again. And as Bartimaeus sat there, never growing old of that story, imagine that blind beggar sitting with the biggest, most satisfying smile on his weathered face as he took in that story again and again and again. This week I was just struck about how sometimes we don't connect real life emotion to the Bible. When Bartimaeus heard that there was a a Messiah out there who can actually physically heal blindness, One day as Bartimaeus was turning the stories of Jesus over and over and over in his head, he put two and two together. He put something together that he never thought of before. Jesus was no mere man. He wasn't simply a miracle worker. He was not just a great teacher. Jesus was Messiah. Jesus was the anointed one. He was the Christ. He was the promised Savior. And according to what would happen next, Bartimaeus would also perceive what the Savior required. Charles Spurgeon once noted, from that day on, when Bartimaeus was sitting there and he was turning over the the scriptures that he's learned in the synagogue, and he was turning over the stories of Jesus, he connected the dots, and he realized, he's the Messiah. And from that day on, Charles Spurgeon once noted that Bartimaeus was a disciple of Jesus. He was a blind, begging disciple. He came to love Jesus sight unseen. He believed with everything inside of him that even though he had never seen Jesus, that Jesus was the promised redeemer. And this is Mark's whole point in putting this here. The whole time people have seen Jesus, but they haven't seen Jesus They've seen him, but they haven't seen him. Blind Bartimaeus has never seen Jesus, but he sees Jesus. He knows what Jesus is capable of. He knows. He's he's already fallen in love with him, and he's never seen him yet. The disciple Peter, who in the Gospels is notorious for putting his foot in his mouth, later gets it right when he says in 1 Peter, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the insight of the blind man who believes without seeing. The next thing that we see is the blind man's hope. It says that when Jesus and this huge crowd reached the edge of town and was exiting Jericho, Bartimaeus saw his chance and began to shout. He saw he he knew this. This is my only chance. He's passing through. I hear the entourage, I hear the roar of the crowd. And as he's doing this, and by the way, as they would ascend to Jerusalem, because you're always going up to Jerusalem, they would sing the songs of ascent in the book of Psalms. Psalm 120 through Psalm 134, I believe, are the songs of ascent. And they would recite these songs and sing these songs all the way up. And these songs had in them about King David going up. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. There's one psalm that when they would sing, they would say, have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me. And they would be singing these songs as they were sending up to Jerusalem, so they're passing through Jericho, and then Bartimaeus heard his chance, And so he started yelling from the top of his lungs, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Son of David, sorry. It was like he was calling out to a friend he had never met and only had this one chance to make that meeting happen. But the crowd told him to shut up. You notice that? The crowd's like, hey, okay, shut up. Blind guy, no more talking. Don't cause a commotion here. Everyone's already looking at Jesus. Everyone's already looking at him because there's this ru- there's a huge clash of power that might happen. Stop yelling. But then you couldn't shut, you couldn't shut Bartimaeus up. I mean, he's been thinking about Jesus for who knows how long. At this point, he's like more crazy than a Justin Bieber fan. I mean, he's just insane, and so he's yelling all the more. It's like they were like, shut up, and he would yell even louder. It's like when I would beat up my sister when, she was, when we were young. And the more I told her not to, like, call for my dad, the louder she got. It was like that. The more they were like, shut up and shut up, the, the louder he got, it would have been really, it would have been a sight to behold. The, the crowd was trying to shut him up, and he got all the louder. And he yelled from the top of his lungs, and I won't do that because he probably didn't have a mic, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. In verse 49, it says that Jesus stopped. He literally stood still Jesus was stopped in his tracks as he heard this poor, powerless person. He was stopped. Another point that you cannot miss is the compassion of Jesus. I read this, I'm just so cut to my heart to know that, first of all, that Jesus hears us when we cry, when we call out to him. But then as followers of Jesus, how we should have that same sensitive ear as we're walking through our streets. And he says to this blind man, call him. He says to the crowd, call him. Now, it's pretty scary here, but the crowds, you see how fickle they are. At one minute, they're cursing him. Hey, be quiet, be quiet. And Jesus says, call him. They're like, hey, man, stand up. Be of good cheer. High five. Give me a hug. Jesus wants you now. Like They just switched 180 from hating him to loving him. It's exactly what they'll do to Jesus. They'll go from loving him, and then the crowd switches, and then they hate him. They'll say, Hosanna, and they'll say, crucify As Bartimaeus stood before the Messiah Jesus asked him a question that might seem a bit insensitive So this blind man standing before Jesus and Jesus looks at Bartimaeus and says this And Jesus said to him, "What do you want me to do for you?" Okay, wait a second. Jesus, he's blind. I mean, it's not it's not that hard. Like don't be insensitive. Just heal the man's blind. What do you want me to do? He's blind. Heal him of his blindness. Now, the question might seem insensitive, but this question is used throughout Mark's story to reveal the heart and true motives. This question is used four times in Mark's gospel. The first time it was used, it was used when John the Baptist was in prison by the king at the time, King Herod. And one of King Herod's lavish parties, he was famous for throwing these huge, big parties. He was throwing a birthday party for himself. And this young girl danced for him. And he was so impressed by her dancing, and and he was a little drunk, that he said to her, what do you want me to do for you? I'll give you anything, up to half my kingdom. And she responded, I want revenge. I want you to kill John the Baptist, and I want his head on a platter brought to me and my mom. See, John the Baptist had made a public embarrassment of this girl's family by asking her mom, or telling her mom, and coming against her mom, because she left her husband to marry King Herod. And so when this question came up, what do you want me to do for you? It searched her heart. What do you want me to do for you? And she searched deep, and it found vengeance and rage. And then last week, we've seen James and John come up to Jesus, and they went to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, we want you to do something for us. And then Jesus says this, what do you want me to do for you? And they responded, we want power. I and my brother... Want to sit on your right hand and your left hand in your glory. We want to be great. We want acclaim. We want influence. We want power. Do you see how searching this question is? It's not just simply, what do you want? It searches our hearts. And the last time it's used, it's used in Mark's gospel, is by Pilate, the Roman governor who was in Jerusalem to keep peace during Passover. And Jesus is betrayed and arrested, and he goes through this false trial. And he's brought before Pilate, who can't find any reason to kill Jesus. So he brings Jesus, and he brings this guy, this prisoner named Barabbas, in front of everyone. And in this very infamous scene, he brings Jesus before the people of Jerusalem, and he asks them, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do with Jesus? And they responded, kill him. And Pilate asked again, verse 12 in chapter 15, and Pilate said to them again, then what shall I do with the man you call what shall I do with the man you call king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So this question isn't, isn't like simple, as simple as it seems. It's not like, hey, what do you want? But it searches our hearts. It's a loaded question in Mark's narrative. Exposing our heart, bringing to surface people's true motives and their true values perhaps if that question came up, it would bring to surface our true motives. This answer can reveal whether we want to be healed by God from our spiritual blindness or selfishly want to use God to do our own bidding and to fulfill our own desires. It's a heart-searching question. Let me ask you this. What do you think about most often? What is it that you really want? Some of us in here might want to settle a score, maybe a revenge in some sort of way. Now, you wouldn't Of course, say this out loud. You wouldn't come up to the prayer team and go, like, what can we do for you? Can you pray for revenge? I want to have vengeance on my enemies. You wouldn't, this is not like one of those prayer requests that you pray out loud, but it's in your heart. You're hanging on to bitterness. And if, if the right moment presented itself, you might just take your pound of flesh. Some of you want power. You want to make a name for yourself. When you think about yourself and you think about where you want to go, you want to be like the, the next like Zuckerberg of, of startups or Banksy of art or the Coens of film or the Arcade Fire of Grammy award-winning Canadian indie rock. <laughs> like, you want to be that. Like, if I, was, if I had a trajectory, if I just see myself, I'm going to be this. Now, this might not be what you're praying for, like a prayer request officially, but it's the meditation of your heart, which is the same thing meaning it consumes your resting mind. So when Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? It's the sort of question. What's the meditation of your heart, Bartimaeus? What do you want? And Bartimaeus just wanted to see. Isn't this interesting? Like, okay, what do you want? He could have asked for like superhuman powers, He's like, I don't just want to see, I want x-ray vision. Can you throw that in? I want to see into the future. I want, I want a different kind of sight. He doesn't ask to be superhuman. He just simply wants to be human and see. He wants to see. Now, here's the question. Why does Bartimaeus want to see? Why does he want to see? Did he ask to see so he can get a job and pull himself out of poverty? Like, I want to see Jesus because I need to get a job and I need to stop begging. Did he want to see so he could he can chase the girl he's always been in love with? Here's why he wanted to see. He wanted to see so he can follow Jesus. Bartimaeus wanted to see because he wanted to follow Jesus. In Bartimaeus' heart, He had already come to trust in Christ, to love, and he wanted nothing more than to follow. And so he said, Jesus, I want my sight. Look at his response, last point, the seeing man's response. Look at verse 52. Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. Notice what Jesus says here, go your way. Do what you're going to do. Okay, here it is. You're healed. You're, you can see the world has so much promise now. The world has so much potential. Go your way. You can see now. Go, to, go do what you always wanted to do. The things that you meditated on when you were there blind going, if I could only see, I would do this, 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 and this. Go your way. You can go see the world. You go clean yourself. Maybe go shave. The world has its potential. Like I was... Um, I was saying in the announcements, or before the sermon started, that this week we're um, launching a, a website, a new, uh, more usable one, and one of the things that we really wanted to do was to, to get the stories of our, um, the, the staff, like the testimonies, how we come to follow and know Jesus, and this week I was, um, Tarek, when he sent me his, I, I read, it, I was just reminded of his testimony again and I won't share it because I want you to read it, but he has a, a pretty crazy testimony. Testimony that you really wouldn't, you wouldn't ever guess. How he was redeemed by Jesus at the age of 32 in a Christian rehab center. And the way that Tarek describes, because he didn't grow up in, in, in a Christian home at all. When, the way that Tarek describes meeting Jesus when he had to do, when he was going through rehab, was when I saw Jesus, and he redeemed me, I wanted to hold on to him, and never, ever let go, and so his rehab was done, and they go, okay, this is Christian rehabilitation center, they said, okay, you can go now, he's like, what do you mean I could go now, it's like, you can leave now, you can leave, he goes, I'm not, I'm not leaving, and like, what do you mean, like, I'm, this is where I met Jesus. I'm staying here until Jesus tells me to leave. I'm gonna stay here. And I, I don't know anything. I, I don't ever wanna leave this place, not this physical place, but this place of knowing Christ. And I know the blindness that's potentially out there. I need to stay here. It's like he's, he like, Tark's a pretty, pretty big guy. He's like he grabbed onto Jesus. He's like, I will never, ever, ever let go. That's the way he describes how he came to know Christ. And this is exactly what happened with Bartimaeus. Jesus opens his eyes and Bartimaeus, all this flood of color comes into his eyes and he can do anything he wants now. And the only thing he wants to do is to follow Jesus. Look at verse 52. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed Jesus on the way. Jesus said, go your way. Go your own way. Not your own way, but go your way. Go, Go where you want to go. You're free now. You can see. Bartimaeus didn't just want to see. He wanted to see Jesus, whom he had fallen in love with. He didn't just want to see him. He wanted to follow him, even if that meant following him uphill to Jerusalem, to his death. He wanted to cling to Christ and never let go. How do we know that he wanted to do this? When we see Jesus calling Bartimaeus, it says he springs up. Did you notice that? Isn't that the cutest thing ever? I think it's like, I see like a kid. You know, kids like always like are walking on their tiptoes and like just so cute. And they're always like chipper and they see you and like when you see kids r- r- running around in the church, I love it. And they're always like running around excited to see everyone. Um, and Bartimaeus does that. Like he wants to see you and he like springs up and he like skips over to Jesus. So excited. And it says that he threw off his cloak. You're like, big deal. It's probably smelly. Like, you don't want that thing around anyway. See, the cloak he leaves behind might not seem like much, but it's the only thing that Bartimaeus owns. It keeps him warm at night. During the day, he uses it to collect coins. It was his only support, his only comfort. His cloak was his identity. It's what made him the blind beggar. See, sometimes we often find our identity in our brokenness. We find our identity in our relational brokenness. I'm the guy that's relationally broken or the girl that's relationally broken or physical brokenness or sexual brokenness. Like, we find our identity in our brokenness. But when Bartimaeus meets Jesus, he threw it aside. Like, threw it. Like, I'm no longer the blind beggar. I'm Bartimaeus, the follower of Jesus. And he's the only sick person when I say sick, I mean like that, that Jesus healed. The only person that Jesus healed in Mark's narrative that gets a name. No one else is named. It's the girl, it's the guy, it's the boy, it's the friend, but Bartimaeus gets a name because Bartimaeus is now a disciple of Jesus. Because Bartimaeus actually follows Jesus. He's not just healed and goes his way, he healed, he's healed and he follows Jesus. Commentators say this is the first time See, up to this point, Jesus has to call people by name, hey, you, and he names them, follow me, you, follow me. This is the first time that what Jesus teaches actually comes to pass when he says, if anyone wants to follow me, he has to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Bartimaeus was the first person to do that, and he was blind, and he never met Jesus before, or heard that, but he knew it intuitively. If I'm going to follow you, I'm throwing aside my stuff, my My brokenness, I'm throwing aside. You've healed me. You've made me whole. And now I'm yours. I'm following you. And I'm following you to Jerusalem where you're going to die. What we find is that though Bartimaeus was blind, he was looking for Jesus. All his hope and his trust had become fixed on this one individual. And what this means is that Bartimaeus had faith before he ever saw Jesus. This is fascinating. It wasn't the call of Jesus that created faith in Bartimaeus. It was rather the situation that he was in that ha- he had this faith already inside of him and Jesus allowed it to be realized. It's like this. I know there's been since, it's this, over the last year, there have been a lot of people that have come through these doors that maybe have never heard about Jesus or have never heard about like the story and what he does, and they've been here, and they've just been like, Jesus is that? Wait, are you serious? Jesus is this? And you've been gathering these stories, and inside of you, like Bartimaeus, is this, like, hidden faith. Like, inside, deep inside, you're like, yeah, I I really like Jesus. I really, like, I really love Jesus, but it's, it's in there. And Bartimaeus had that the whole time until this moment where Jesus called him, and that faith that was here just like came shooting out. And I believe that's exactly what God wants to do with some of us today. The, this, this like secret type of like, man, I really love Jesus. There needs to be the situation where it's brought out, where like, I'm going public with this. I'm following Jesus. How do we do this? Bartimaeus encountered Jesus' power not on the basis of his strength but in the context of his weakness. It wasn't that he was claiming he can see. Everyone else was claiming they can see but they couldn't. He claimed he couldn't see and he did. It was in the context of his weakness that he saw Jesus. And there's no other way to come to Jesus but on the basis of our need and his adequacy to fully meet our need. And once we find him, we should be those people that cling so tightly to him that we never, ever let go. Like, he's like, go, go wherever. He's like, and you would be, I don't ever, ever, ever want to leave him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you, God, that the only way we can truly follow you and have the, the capacity to follow you is because Because you died for us. Because you never let us go. You never forsake us, Lord. And I will confess, Lord, probably with a lot of others, that there's times when I really want to follow you, but I fail. I thank you, Jesus, that your love is stronger, that you never let us go, I pray that you would draw out of us, Lord, a faith, that you would draw out of us a trust in you, where we begin to trust you externally with things that we see, things that we're around, relationships, our identity, all of these things that we roll them over, and we be given a new identity, a new hope. We want to see Jesus. Show us Jesus this morning.